When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into 11 Personnel, episode 157. That's right. We're 150 episodes in to the Kentucky Football Podcast. And I'm Nick Roush with Adam Luckett after a whirlwind weekend. Yes, if I sound exasperated because it was pretty crazy. Look, it, we're, you know, we're getting close to football season. I was hoping just to talk ball, but um, that they had different plans for us, the powers that be. Feels like a dream, right? Uh, like I keep waiting to wake up. Like, wow, that was a really weird dream. <laughs> I, I there's a lot here. Um, they, they, this is a football podcast, so I, I think the big takeaway is there's some some stuff with Cal and Barnhart. That's the probably the big biggest mm-hmm. thing to come out of all this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't really need to get into all that. I mean, that that's pretty, I think, blatant, uh, um, quote-unquote entitled. <laughs> um, Grace, uh, all, all that, all, all those big buzzwords we heard from uh, Kentucky's athletic director on Saturday in a 40-minute, uh, felt like oh. I was being preached to. So, I mean, it was just, there was just a lot there. That That, that is... That is clear. Like that, I mean, that's that is, yeah, like that, that face, right? That's how I felt. That I was talking, like Mitch Barnhart was talking to me. I felt that like I was getting that face. That that is that is clear. But the big thing here is like, how is this? Where is foot? Where's Kentucky football and all this? And where do they fall? I, I think that's what our audience wants to know. Mm-hmm. And well, go ahead. Uh, I would just say that somehow what. It feels like not only is the college football world kind of rallying behind Mark Stoops, but the oh, teams yeah. really rally behind it. And therefore, you know, in the immediate aftermath of Cal's basketball school comments, uh, there was a point where you thought, oh, man, is, uh, is, is Stoops making a mistake by not letting this just slide under the rug, right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't really a story until Mark Stoops reacted. And then that's yeah. what – but Cal said something he had to he had to. He called he went to Thanksgiving, he called his brother sister, said she didn't look good, and then he called her fat. Like you have to say something. Like you just yeah. he cannot he cannot just sit there. Though he said fighting words. And yeah. that's, he had to stand up and say something. Um, so I don't blame like now he took a low blow. The four postseason wins, that's a low blow. That he did not <laughs> need to do that. 
but that he went there. And then when he went there, there was, you know, he got a little fired up. We've all gotten a little fired up and he kept going. Um, so we can argue where if he went too far. I think that's I think that's fair. What what um, was your favorite Mark Stoops pot shot at John Calipari? Because there were some really good ones in there. I personally enjoyed I mean, the the third base comment is going to live forever. I mean, that is the uh, ultimate uh, to me. Uh, but like, I mean, this is, that is a, I mean, that's a kick in the nuts for hashtag four straight postseason wins. Cal has not won anything. I mean, Cal has not, uh, we can, he, he hasn't won. Like if you want us to talk basketball significance for Kentucky, what, what, when you go on the wiki Wikipedia page, what is there other than NCAA tournament appearances, SEC championships, SEC tournament championships, final fours, NCAA championships. He hasn't, he hasn't won one of those. I mean, that's whatever. But that's what Ka- that's what Stoops was kind of, you know, with the third base comment and all that. Yeah. And so that's where that was. I would say that was um, my favorite. Yeah. This this quote right here. Some may, but I can promise you, this football team didn't wake up on third base. That was a whoa. Like in the in the room, I was like, holy crap! Did he the, just say that? The one that uh, kind of slipped by us all because we were focused on that comment. Also, the one where he said, you know, I appreciate our basketball history. I know it. I love it. Um, but I know that it's all about winning now and getting and winning the postseason. And that's what we've done, creating history. The one that was really, uh, really maybe the most sly remark was when Stoop said, uh, This, well, we got to work in this facility. This isn't a PR firm. <laughs> yes, that too. That was a very, that, that was, was a good. subtle shot, Cal. And the staying in my lane, I think, was. Because you know, Cal gets all you know how he gets on. You know, we've been in you've been in a press conference. Yeah, Uh, but yeah, that was. I mean, that was. I mean, crazy. But that to me, like, there's more than just. Is this just? It's just him calling him a basketball school, um, in this. But I'll get into this in a second. But I want to say this: people like, there's a lot of fans like saying the Alabama and Georgia comps aren't fair, and you can say that, and that's fine. Like, that's fine. But you know who those comps – you're going to hear those comps from? Staff at Auburn. Staff at Florida State. Staff at Tennessee. Staff at Michigan State. On, like the guys – staff at Cincinnati. Those schools that they're recruiting against all the time are going to throw that in, in their face. And mm-hmm. so they're just going to have to deal with that. Like you said, you said the quiet part out loud, something you could not say. Yeah. Um, and then when Jedrick Wills or Damian Harris show up again, Nick, in, in, in state – Alabama's probably going to use that too. So you're going to have to fight when they're recruiting Cutter Bowley down the street here. Yeah. They're going to have to fight against that. And so, like, you just, and it, now you see, like, Mississippi State's women's basketball coach, Arkansas's athletic director, uh, Tennessee's athletic Arson. director. I mean, on and on are all making little, uh, taking little pot shots at, at Kentucky. Uh, so, like, that created a storm or whatever. Um, but yeah. I guess my big question here, is like I don't think short term like everything like Stoops and Cal probably make up it'll be fine short term, um, but it's pretty clear that there is a fight for funding dollars going on in that athletic department. Yeah, um, oh, where is the money going? Who had who? Where you know Joe Kraft is the player. Like who is he with? This and that. Um, Cal having to call out his former players seems like a kind of a you know last minute leverage move to me a little bit because he maybe not have the money. And then how it's like we talked. We heard Mitch Barnhart talk about their strategic plan, how they had all these plans for you know you got this football indoor, you're going to rip out the track, but to do that you got to go build a new indoor track facility, 
Um, where they're going to put the indoor track facility now messes up the tennis thing that was been in plan for multiple years. So now they got to move tennis. So you got to go through all this. And if Mark Stoops, if you go back and watch the Kentucky Florida game this year, um, TV copy, Dan Orlovsky is the color analyst for that game. He talks five, six, seven times about how Stoops believes he can have turned Kentucky into a top four SEC program. So that is top four SEC program means you're top 15 every year, you know, give mm-hmm. or take average over a five year period. Um, if he's going to do that, it has to be funded. He has to know that they can, they can keep investing in, in this. Um, basketball and football, if you want, if Kentucky wants football, if they want to compete in SEC and be good, it's got to be 1A with basketball. It cannot be basketball one, football two. It's got to be together operating. And football's got to get what they want when they want. And so it comes down to me, is there are the dollars there for them, for both these guys to coexist? I don't know if there is. And right now, Luckett, I can tell you that that is definitely the case uh, because um, – from my understanding, for what I've been told now, I, you know, I, I need to, I, I'd like to hear it from more than one person, but essentially Cal is saying, Hey, I can get my former players to pay for all of this. You don't even have to worry about it. But Mitch Barnhart doesn't want that to get done before he can raise the money for everything else. And he, he, it, it sounds like he's struggling to raise money for that practice facility upgrade for that indoor track. Uh, and, and that's essentially what he said. He's like, we have a pecking order here. But I think the problem is, is Cal could cut the line because he's got former players that have made a billion dollars and can easily write the check to cover for $25 million in upgrades or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And, and so that that's where this really turned into a pissing contest. And I think for Stoops' sake, what actually turned out to be a blessing was that Mitch Barnhart went and shoved his foot in his mouth and said stuff like the, the quote that our friend YouTube Trey's got pulled up now, which is, yeah, he, he went and said, they've got every opportunity to do the things they want to do to be successful. That's not changing as long as I'm here. And if it's not good enough, coaches change a lot, which really was strong, strong language. And he went on to say, you know, we've been here a long time because we've been successful and I'm going to keep doing that. I don't think he needed to add that coaches change all the timeline and that might be his undoing but he tallied it up it's 44 years of experience between Mitch Barnhart John Calipari and Stoops obviously Mitch didn't work with all those guys for half that time but to have three guys in prominent positions of power at the same university for as long as they have like that just doesn't happen in modern college athletics eventually that's going to turn sour it just does like there's just there's an expiration date on all of this stuff and it feels like Cal is entering his third and final act. Um, but what, what's it mean for Mitch Barnhart? You know, I, I don't know about you, Luckett, but like Mitch is definitely of the old guard. He, that's yeah. the way he handles everything. That's the way he treats. I mean, he dra- drug his feet with nil. He drags his feet with a lot of stuff. And frankly, I don't want him hiring any more coaches. So how, how they progress forward um, in some like healthy fashion, I don't know, but the more Mitch talked on Saturday, the more I just couldn't believe it. That, that was uh, lucky. You were in person. I was watching from afar. Um, I don't think you're ever going to attend a crazier press conference than the one you were at on Saturday. Yeah, the the aspect, like let's talk, let's just go back. Like the best thing Mitch did was right. Like Kentucky had a very much a booster driven culture. How the athletic department ran, 
Similar to he that off, and mm-hmm. he made he made you know Kentucky's athletic department like a part of the university where that they didn't have that outside influence where it could be run like a real company um, instead of a uh, rich guy Johnny telling him what who to do what to do and making sure like everything is balanced like there's checks and balances and that they can increase they can use money to increase all um, that the sports teams right they can give them all facilities and yada yada. Um, but now we're in – it's the world's different. Now you have you, – the boosters are more involved now, right, because NIL. Mm-hmm. So you got to – and then fundraising is huge. Right? I, I, like that to me, maybe that's the biggest issue we have here. It's just he's not – you need more of a fundraiser yeah. in, this, in this point in time. Um, that's what you need. You need to be a go out fundraising. If he's having issues, like you said, fundraising, you know, that that's a problem. You got you can't – that can't be an issue. Like I, I – Kentucky has a chance here with Stoops and the football team. Like they, they really got a chance for sustained success here. But you've got to be, you got to be able to financially commit and make make it happen. Um, and if you know, if basketball and football are all trying to reach for that, you know, whatever money Kentucky has, like Kentucky's not Texas A and M. Like we just, there's not a lot yeah. of millionaires out there just ready to make it happen. They just don't oh. have that. And so, and- like, it's just an interest interesting times because the more Stoops wins. Like the more he's gonna want stuff, and you can go on the coach rankings, and wherever Snoops is, those other fifteen names he's with probably don't have to fight. Um, right, right. On well, campus and, to get the stuff they want, and, and, and then that's right. Go ahead. You mentioned A and M though too. Like Kentucky is in a unique position that not many other schools are in. How many other schools have had this much success in two major sports? Uh, maybe A and M made the College World Series in baseball, but that's. Uh, you, yeah, you don't. Yeah, need... that, that's that's a different sport. Like the big, like yeah. doing it, the that's football, a... men's basketball is just that's different. Yeah, that that's a much higher price tag to be at the the top sort of level. So like the the fact that like, there aren't a whole lot of schools that have this sort of problem, and the timing of all of this coming to fruition, what what brought up that quote that Mitch Barnhart gave was a question from Mark Story saying, "Hey, is." Is this a or do we have another Bear Bryant eight offer up situation on our hands? And right now, Mark Stoops is doing a bunch of stuff that hasn't been done since Bear Bryant was there. Mm-hmm. You know, Kentucky was ranked number twenty in the preseason AP poll for the first time since nineteen seventy eight. And uh, like, what, what's the stat? Is it first time finish and start a season in AP poll ranked since Bear was here? Uh, they haven't done it since nineteen fifty one, and then yeah. Bear left two years later. Yeah, I mean, so like it's. There are a lot of parallels. Uh, Mark is two wins away from surpassing Bear Bryant as with the most wins in Kentucky football history, and so we we just there, there's been a lot of stuff building. I don't think there was a ton of animosity between Stoops and Cal uh, leading up to this. I think there was certainly um, some fracturing on Calipari's side of things, and he picked a poor time to start pleading for more money which is right after losing early in the NCAA tournament. Like, well, and he – like, you got to think what's – okay, let's go back to Kentucky beats Louisville. Um, and there's all that rumors about Stoops and he meets with Barnhart, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was part of the contract negotiation leverage. Yeah. It yeah. was more bigger recruiting budget and it was getting this indoor – getting that expedited to the top of the line that he wants that done. Um, and he agreed on it. And then – but Cal didn't have any – like – now this gets this gets to this gets to the point about how you know how much power you think Kentucky's basketball coach should have on his campus, um, because 
he doesn't have contract negotiation power. He's got a lifetime contract. Yeah. yeah. So he's just kind of stuck. <laughs> and then he on then you have on field results. He you know, are on on the court in this case with basketball and St. Peter's lost and worse year ever. And like I said, they haven't he hasn't won something big that the fan base really cares about, whether SEC crown, SEC tournament title, final four, national championship. The four those are the four big ones that people care about. He hasn't he hasn't won one of those in five years. Yeah. So, yeah, it gets, uh, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how all this shakes out. Um, but you're right. Like, like with Mitch, like, I think, like, he's done a good job here. He has his yeah. flaws, right? Yeah. And he has, and they're, they're in the public and people don't like him. We wish that he would sell beer at the stadium. Still not going to do that. Over like it's dead body when Mitch Barnhart <laughs> delivered beer, Bud Light and, to and the general was, fans. He was wrong and slow with how he handled, I think, um, NIL. Yep. Uh, it's just like there's just a lot of things adding up on him here in the last year, two years. Yeah. It just feels, and you're Baseball right. Like team, he does. Spiraling. You are right. You are right. He's hired enough coaches here, right? Yeah. <laughs> but. But if he leaves, like, AD is going to be walking into a hornet's nest. <laughs> if you've got these two top-of-the-line coaches who are, you know, want, are fighting for funding money, that's well, what, I just don't know if they can all coexist in, like, five seasons. That was my, that's my biggest takeaway. Um, you're right in that Mitch kind of stoops in Cal or maybe in, like, a little pushy match at the bar. Yeah. And Mitch came in, took it in the street, and they him and Cal just started throwing haymakers. He, he, Mitch picked I mean, up the beer bottle what happened. cracked yeah. him on the head. <laughs> he yeah. took it too far. Um. And so, I, <laughs> overall, I think I don't blame Stoops for doing what he did. Um, I think, you know, Cal probably wish he turned it right. I think Stoops kind of had to do what he did. I think he took a low blow when he responded. I don't think there's any <laughs> doubt about that. Oh, um, man. I think Mitch handled that um, – Mitch should have talked first on Saturday. Mitch. <laughs> why didn't Mitch talk first? I don't know. Like, why? Uh, should have, they should have had a canned message for Stoops to give, and Mitch should have came and took all the questions on the issue. Yeah, yeah. And so then by the time Mark gets there, after he talks for 40 minutes, all Nobody. of us, oh, we're, yeah. all too, we need, we're out of coffee. We're all tired. I, just, I don't understand why he didn't talk first. That makes no sense. Well, that's why Mitch only does two press conferences every five years. You know, he, he's not good at the media. Before the, the practice ends, he should have came in there at 1130 and we should have duped it out in the media room. And then Stoops could have came in, asked a few questions, and it would have been done instead of what they just handle that very, very poorly. Yeah, it could. I, I fully anticipated that to be a de-escalator. And instead it turned into a it was just throwing gas on the fire, throwing gas on the fire. It was a mess, and uh, it's also all our fault. So I, I, I'm yeah, sorry, everybody can't. listening. It's the media's fault. We've got nothing to do in August. We don't do any podcasts. We don't write any posts. We got nothing to talk about. So yeah. we got to blow up this yeah. situation even more. I really don't think he meant that, but he just hadn't like he just hadn't the media. He doesn't answer questions. So like what exactly. he said came off wrong. Yeah, well, and that and that's part of the problem. Like, why are you only doing media once a year, Mitch? Like. Dude, this is this is modern college athletics. It's a little bit different than when you came into power. Now, uh, and yes, he talks about he talks about Twitter like it hasn't been around for fifteen years. Seriously, like we have not been communicating on that as like a sports society for like 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 that's not like that's just kind of a new 
trend. Like 24 hour news cycle is new to him. It's like, dude, CNN started in the eighties, buddy. Like, I know you think this is some news thing, but like, no, like this is how the world operates. Now you got to get with it or get lost, get with it. Right. Or get lost. So yeah, it's going to be, we'll see how all this shakes out. Like, um, in my scenario about the fight for funding, like both teams are going to have to keep winning for that, obviously. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could be all for not, um, but it's just, it's, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. I thought Craig Skinner's tweet, which got deleted, was very interesting. Dude, and yeah. we, it all kind of got forgotten about. Um, he tweeted our Brandon Ramsey and said, Cal was wrong. You know, remember well, where you came from. We'll see. I, I think what's important to note, too, like it, is that everybody here is a little wrong in certain aspects. And I can see why right. they acted in certain ways, too. Like, did Stoops go over the top? Probably. But did he have to stick up for his guys? Yeah. In in Mitch's case, like he's Cal's boss. All of the other coaches have like like Craig Skinner. He wants air conditioning in his freaking gym. Like that shouldn't be too hard to ask. So, like Mitch probably thought like I need to stand up for my other coaches and not just you know cave to Cal. Like so, I I get that each side has um you know a, a reason why they acted the way they did. But everybody's a little bit wrong here. I do think, you know, aside from Vito Tisdale uh, popping off a tweet, like it was, um, you you know, for the most part, the players have been the adults in this situation. uh, So I want to commend them. And I do think that, like, like that's the part that got lost in all of this is it's all been done in public instead of private. Because privately, this team is pissed off. And I think it's actually going to help the football team this fall. Well, I mean, you go by what Matt says um, on the – on his radio show they just don't talk so like they kind of have if they're going to do anything they have to do it in the media <laughs> and basically like i just this is me kind of reading between lines like stoops saying what he said when we all thought like they were cool stoops and cal craig skinner saying what he said and then capaluto comes out immediately in like a vote of confidence for mitch and he had to know like mitch was probably going to set flames to cal in that press conference like it seems like they're kind of, I, you know, this isn't a we're getting off football, but that's, um, that's that it seems like an a, administration versus Calipari issue, um, so that's a mess in and of itself. So right, you know, there is like the public perception of Stoops in the college football media. You've already seen it, yeah, of people like really like respecting him for doing for doing that. Oh. Fine bomb dropping haymakers a day. Um, Bob Stoops did not get directly involved, but he did pose yeah. the correct question, which is when was the last time basketball was brought up in realignment? I mean, you know, Kublik and McElroy on their radio show, their uh, college, it's a college football radio show, and they, they talked about it a lot today. Um, Cal and Stoops, um, Jacob Hester, who hosts a national show on ESPN Radio, said. You know, I respect Mark Stoops for that. He's not having any of that. And then on and on, you've seen a bunch of people, like, really giving him props. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, for our locker room standpoint, hell yeah. I mean, he gained a lot there. And I think um, that's going to get, you know, how they like that chip on their shoulder. They're going to have that. And so it's just it's just interesting. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I mean, it goes to, like, <laughs> this isn't alignment. Like, this is not – Oh, we've talked about alignment. This is not alignment. This is uh, the toothpaste is out of the tube. This is airing your dirty laundry in public. Um, like you said, all this stuff should be handled indoors and or in, in house, and it's not. 
So how it all shakes out is going to be. Yeah, we're we're certainly in uncharted waters right now, um, and it will not be the last of it. I'm sorry to folks who think that like KSR is somehow like blowing this out of proportion or oh let's move on. Like no, this is yeah they need the games to start. Like but but this is like without a doubt one of the like it might be the biggest story on Kentucky's campus since the Emory Riddle package b- blew open in the late 80s. Like, yeah. this is this is crazy stuff. <laughs> there's there's I, no I, doubt in it. And there's going to be the bear rup stuff brought up. I did do some research. Big Blue History put together a bunch of stuff. Oscar Combs retweeted it out, but it, Big Blue History is a great website. Yeah, John A bunch Scott of basketball reference. Runs it, yeah. um, He did it, and basically, like, Adolph Rupp did get a car from the Boosters. But it was a year after Bear left. And Bear went on like a radio. He did like a – it was like at the – when they played Oklahoma before the Sugar Bowl. And they – you know how they, the bowl reps will ask the coaches yeah. questions? Even like they do today. I'm, well, they did it back then too. And he just kind of joked. Yeah. Uh, but they but, were friends. What happened was – Yes. Kentucky yeah. point shaved in 1951. The basketball team got caught. Yep. And the NCAA punished the whole athletic department. So Bear Bryant had to deal with recruiting limitations yeah. at Kentucky. He – it was a um, – this was something I stumbled upon recently, just like a random day during the summer, and Mark Story wrote about it. It was a self-imposed, quote-unquote, recruiting ban on out-of-state recruits for Bear Bryant. It was right after they yeah. won uh, the Cotton Bowl over TCU. It was back-to-back wins, Sugar Bowl and Cotton Bowl. Bear came back and said, we can do a team – we can field a team just fine from guys from the state of Kentucky. Well, then he didn't get Paul Horning. Paul Horning went to Notre Dame. And the writing was kind of on the wall. So, as much and he left for less money to go to Texas A and M, and 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 that goes back to that drives back the point too. Like it, that was administrative as well. Like that was um, I forget the guy who was in charge. I don't know if it was Kerwin or Shively. It's one of those guys with you know old guys with his name on a building there. But uh, might have been call. I don't know. Well, one <laughs> one of those buildings, Donovan. That's who it was. Donovan was the president. Like it was administrative conflict as much as it was just barren rub, quote unquote, not getting them. Yeah. Well, whoever like, it was royally screwed the pooch on that. Yeah. Uh, so, like, and that's just, I mean, that's going to be a talking point. Like, when game day is live on that Thursday game, I think they're at Backyard Brawl. Um, they have mm-hmm. a two hour show. They're going to talk about this. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it's just out there. Everybody's talking about it. And, it's going to be on like Fine Bomb all week. It's going to be the show on Fine Bomb. Unless some big news story breaks in college football this week, it is going to be the show. They're going to be talking about it a yeah. lot. We're going to get more columns about it. Mm-hmm. it. It's just Stoops is going to get asked about it more. Cal's going to, whenever he talks, he's going to get asked about it more. Um, we still have, Cal hasn't really even been asked about it yet. Yeah. He, he did a quick little apology thing, but I mean, he, and he's able to kind of avoid it because. He was down in the Bahamas, and he's not going to have to speak for a while. Um, but you're right; this isn't going to go away anytime soon. Uh, but like, I, I do want to, I do want to get to the football conversation because uh, that's important this part of the year. Do you have any parting thoughts on this this big dust up before before we get to the football talk? I just, I, it was wild. <laughs> I feel like I'm dreaming still. Um, I think. It seems like Stoops and Merrill are pretty chummy with Joe Kraft. Yeah. From a Kentucky football supporter's view, 
I think that's good news. <laughs> yeah. Well, who was Joe Kraft with the night after that happened? Was he in the Bahamas with Cal? Was yeah, Mitch I think in the that's Bahamas with Cal. Yeah. Joe Kraft was hanging out with Vince. The, when, well, I'm not. I'm no Johnny Congress, but it sounds like Kelly Kraft is going to run for office, and <laughs> that, that's probably going to be important. Who supports her and all that stuff. Um, the one thing I hate for all this, Nick, is well. For you and your radio show, it's it's going to be awesome radio for you all for a couple of weeks. But <laughs> there is going to be like heated fights within this fan base yeah. about football and basketball. And that's so fun. And, well, in this thing, it's a pressure point. Your your allegiances are going to show who you, who what you, what you prefer and what you want. Um, because you know you got the Calipari aspect. Everybody's like, you know, you don't run off a Hall of Famer, but then people can easily come back. Well, everybody that coaches Kentucky is going to be a Hall of Fame, except. Gillespie, that was one higher in a hundred years. And but the football aspect, you know, you can come back. You can find another coach that could go six games over five hundred, but then you could come back and you know, well, Stoops did the yada yada yada. Right, right. It's just I hate it because it. I mean, people are going to eat each other live on this as long as it's around. And I think it's, I don't, I, I think it's going to be around here for a while. So I, I just hope that in general, um, with the infighting, we can at least unite behind making Mitch Barnhart the enemy. I'm told like as much as Mitch is a great guy and has done a lot for the university. Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't the, the person that sits in that seat, they are far less significant to me than the people who are on the sidelines on those in the for those football games, for those basketball games, much more difficult to replace than the athletic director. I mean Mitch has put like what how many UK guys in AD jobs across the SEC? You mean to tell me that one of them wouldn't want to come to UK? That Dwayne Peavy wouldn't want to come back? Like it's an SEC, it's an SEC gig. It's gonna you're gonna get top of the line. Yeah, like uh, unless you're Tennessee and you just cheated your ass off and you're just stuck with you know going to UCF to get their entire administration and coaching staff and God knows whatever. Like you can find qualified people to 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 be suits to wear that top button, but you don't. So I I hope that in all of this. That, you know, if, if Mitch Barnhart did anything with that crazy press conference, he put more of the heat on him and took more of it off of Mark Stoops and John Calipari. Yeah, um, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. I think the next time Cal speaks, probably going to go a long way in how this develops over mm-hmm. time. Because uh, Stoops is going to deflect on this. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's like, you know, he, he even did it on Saturday when yeah. the media came back around and tried to ask questions. I don't think he's going to. Yeah, he's, but, he's but, but we don't know. I mean, they're going to all have to sit in a room with Mitch and Eli Capaluto and figure out a, a you know, a PR plan for the four of them. And I, I don't think that meeting's happened yet. It's Monday. I'd love Tuesday. to be a fly on the wall for that meeting. So we'll have to see what what comes out of that. But yeah, because uh, you got to think, um, basketball team's got the week off. You know, Cal could go a month without talking if he oh, wanted to. Easy. So. Easy. You know, it's going to be um, – we'll see how it all plays out. We we so, shall certainly see. Uh, they need football games to get here. We're only 19 days away from the start of Kentucky football season. And before they held that press conference, Kentucky held its first preseason scrimmage. And like it, I want to have one big takeaway, but I'm a little reserved in that. And my big take is that, man – the stuff we're hearing from this defense, Kentucky's defense actually might be, for as much as we touted the offense during the spring 
and leading in this with Will Levis and Co. The defense might actually end up being the the sneaky surprise. It feels like the way that the coaches and players are talking, they 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 know they've got something good on that defense. But I can't get too um, I can't be too big of a prisoner of the moment because the offense sat a lot of guys during that scrimmage. You know, I don't know how much Will Levis played. Um, I don't think Chris Rodriguez is playing any in that. They had the entire right side of the offensive line out with Tayshawn Manning and Jeremy Flax. So if the defense's line is playing better, well, they should play better when you've got the whole right side of the line not playing in, in the scrimmage. Let's start with the good here. I think the defense at I think it's very important. You have a thought on a team, right? Like we've spent all offseason coming up with what we thought our projections could be for this team. Is you get in the camp, do not change that too much unless there's like a catastrophic injury. Um, so when I had when I came into the season, I was like, I don't know what Kentucky's defensive ceiling is, but I know the floor is really high. Like with because of all these veterans, um, because of the, some good recent recruiting, I know the floor is really high. Now I'm getting in the season and I'm thinking, now I'm getting the camp and I'm thinking, I don't want to like go too far, but I do think maybe I, that ceiling can maybe be raised a little bit. Maybe they have like a top 20 defense type ceiling. Um, if everything hits instead of like a 30 to 35 inch defense, which was originally what I thought would, would it be if everything hit? And if they're a top 25 defense and the defensive line is like a strength of the team, which it sounded mm-hmm. like it is, uh, that, that changes things. I think um, it takes a lot of pressure off that secondary. Um, who's, I still think it's got some holes in it, um, but you just got, you just got a, you've got an old group that just, that runs a scheme and they know everything like the back of their hand. They just know the playbook. Yeah. Um, and then you got some young guys really pushing here. And like the class of 2022, Nick is just looking like yeah. a home run with it. <laughs> um, uh, from the top down to the bottom. I mean, yeah. and this, this Dion Walker uh, development, it's like, I've heard that they're playing him at all three spots. Like, it's crazy. not just like, he's not just going in there to be a two gapper at nose. Um, he, they're moving him, and like he is my, maybe the best pass rusher in Stewart's room. Uh, long, nice. raw, and then you hear uh, he's long, raw, and he plays with power. Um, and so if once he puts it all together, he's going to be kind of a freak show uh, for them. So that's well, that's uh, it's pretty exciting, I think. And then because then it just changes that entire room, right? You knew you had depth. Yeah. But if you got this freshman stud, then it just changes everything. Then it becomes like you're bringing, you know. Ripka and Hayes are potentially rotational pieces off your bench. They're four-star recruits. Like your first five, yeah. like you're putting that up there with just about anyone in college football. And that's, well, that's exciting. When they signed Walker and it, it felt. Uh, well, it's st- all, it was when the Coyante stuff was going on. So we just kind of, it just kind of got lost in the sauce. Right. But, but like he has the same measurables as Jordan Davis. Yes. As, as a high school senior. And I, you can't, I, you can't do like I, I know that that can sound like I'm just going over the top, but like no, there's only X amount of people that are that big and can move that well. Like that's that that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's he it. He just he um you just don't know like these big guys for me. You don't really know until you get them there against guys their size and how they play. Um, it's kind of hard to evaluate them. Really, like we make fun of the camp stuff, but I think those camps are really important for big guys like that. Because then you get to see them with guys that are similar size to see if they can still overpower those guys, even if they're not playing real football. Um, and to see how they move against guys similar size. 
Um, so, like, you can watch the high school tape and some of these highlights are laugh out loud funny, but you don't really know until you get them there. So, him flashing like this, I think it's it's pretty impressive. He was the talk of Saturday. Um, Stoops gushed about him. Um, and then I – like, Stoops saying the pass rush is looking really good, uh, specifically, and he wasn't talking about the outside guys. That is very promising. Well, because that's going to make Weaver and Wright so much better if they if there's no room to move or maneuver in the – ahead of them in the pocket in the interior. If they can get a good interior organic push from the inside, it, and if they have that length, then that's a big thing with Walker. He he didn't need to get, give much of a push to have an impact um, in, in the pass rush because he's so damn long. Yeah, and um, forgive me if you hear something in the background. Neighbor just got out the chainsaw. So, uh, you know, who, who's not chainsawing at 3.30 on a Monday? But I, I, I think that – I'm glad you brought the pass rush aspect of it because Kentucky's been good at stopping the run for the last six, seven years. The problem is, is the the college football's changed and stopping the run. As much as Stoops loves that stat about, uh, he hasn't brought it up as much lately. Yeah. But it was like if you run more yards than the other team, then you're going to win the football game. Like that, that's not always the case anymore in the SEC. And a lot of teams they play this year are reliant on talented quarterbacks. So that that's how you help a secondary that they really struggled last year that has more experience now. But you, the best way to help them is just by getting in obvious passing situations and getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands while under duress. So that that was a that that's a very positive development. Um, I think that the the brightest spot that you can say so far about Kentucky football fall camp. Yeah, I just the defense. You know, we'll have to see about the secondary, but like they've got depth now, so they're going to be able to throw some different bodies at teams where they're not just going to be stuck like they were last year. And mm-hmm. then if this pass rush can take a step forward, um, it can be good. So all good things about the defense. Um, I think if you're going to get the bad, I don't, I don't know if it's like, you wanted to hear more about the offense. I, I, yeah. I'll say that like that it has me a little worried what it's going to look like coming out. You add in some of these injuries. You know, the old L sounds like they're pretty banged up. I don't think it's nothing like long-term they're worried about. Um, but they need to get th- those guys healthy uh, right now. Um, so that that that's that's a worry. And then, you know, you're young at some of these – that receiver and some of these other spots. Um, so maybe that's – we might need to prepare ourselves for a slow start to the season for the offense. It's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm very interested to see – hear what we get this week and it's – hear some intel from the second scrimmage mm-hmm. um, to see if maybe they kind of take a st- step forward um, because that's really offense. We just don't, you know, don't know. And if you go back like last year, offense was a story in camp. Yeah. It was just, Oh, this, the defense was telling us how like cra- crazy this offense was. And we couldn't stop them. Um, you're not hearing any of that this year. It's the defense kind of overwhelming the offense. Um, so we're going to have to see how that all shakes out. Yeah. And, and that's um, a case where the schedule is kind um, because I, I can still see Kentucky just running the damn ball for 350 yards in the swamp and winning like 17 to 10 or something like that. Like you, you can see pads just still starting four and oh, and while the offense kind of gets its feet underneath them. Cause I think a lot of this is going to come down to having, you got talented receivers, but they've got, they, they don't have the relationship yet developed and cultivated with Will Levis. I was happy to hear Dekel Crowdus made a couple contested catches uh, during the scrimmage. That's a guy, you know, we talk a lot about the true freshman, but we forget about the red shirt. And 
Barry and Brown, he's just going to do Barry on Brown once or twice a game. More, every, I mean, it just it keeps growing. Like he's going to have a huge role. Him and Dan Key are going to be the starters at receiver. Um, it might not be game one, but it'll probably be by game five. Um, so that, that that's your that's your future there, right? Yeah. And then you add that with Tavian Robinson and everything they have at tight end. You just get the offense. Like the more I look at it, it's like it's got to be like it's the Levis and Scangarello show. How many strides? How many strides did Levis take as a player in the offseason? And can Scangarello, with teams not having much tape on him, can he scheme stuff up, catch people by surprise, and can he use Kentucky's unique kind of skill talent because it's a lot of running backs, tight ends? Can he take advantage of that and scheme stuff up? I mean, that's, the whole, that's the whole story here for for them moving forward. Well, and, and the big part for me. I guess if I was going to have the biggest – if you were to ask me what the biggest worry this season is, it's not only just like I – you know, I feel like Richard Scangarello is good, but how good is he? You know, we don't we don't know. But the one thing that Liam Cohen did is he wasn't too stubborn about running his stuff. It was just like, all right, this ain't working. We're changing it. Kentucky is uh, just you, – you, sh- you should be able to run the damn ball regardless. But – that wide zone, that outside zone could be real boom or bust. And it's hard to be too too critical if you know you've got O line turnover issues. Like if they got there in camp and the O line can't, you know, you've got guys going in and out because of injury. Um, yeah, but I, I just mean like if you're sticking on a boom or bust play and there's more bust yeah. starting off, like that that can just that can lead to some problems and force Will Levis to make some yeah, into some situations yeah. you don't want it to be in. Right. You're right, but they're not like it's not just gonna be a wide zone stretch. Offense, they're going to run pin and pull. I mean, the Niners mm-hmm. do some counter stuff. I mean, they do a lot of. I don't. I don't. I'm not. I don't think it's just going to be that. Like, I think the one thing I would maybe is like, is are they too overwhelmed with concepts and formations and all that? That would be my because that seemed like what it was early in camp. It was just it's just a lot. It's an NFL <laughs> offense. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you know if you could get that you know, but if they're banking on they got a lot of smart players, they could figure it out. They could have something. Um, but but we'll see. Uh, so um, we we're really going to have to see them. I mean, we just don't know. But I would feel a lot better if it was just like, you know, yeah, you know, we saw them take a step or we heard some good things about the scrimmage. Because it sounded like they started slow possibly Saturday, but then they got kind of warmed up there towards the end. The the other thing, too, about these, these offensive line potential concerns early on, you have the personnel elsewhere to help them quite a bit uh, because – your running back room is loaded. You can use two backs, have one of them, you know, run a route or something. That the other one helping pass pro. But the other thing too, like it, the tight ends seemingly are stealing the show in yeah in this fall camp, and it is a KSR caller's dream. I mean, they're getting they're getting so much love, so much love, and and it's not from the guys we'd expect. Like look at I've heard Keen Upshaw's name uttered zero times when I ask about who's playing well. It's like Jordan Dingle, Justice Dingle at fullback, and then Josh Caddis. Josh Caddis, I don't know where the hell that Vince Merrill found this dude. Like, I, I, I don't, I just need to know from Vince. Like, how did you know? Like, because that's not what he does doesn't pop on tape. Him just mowing down dudes, blowing them up, and getting the whole team fired up. That's not stuff that you you that that yeah. pops off in a highlight reel. He's got that dog in him, and that's the kind of that big blue wall mentality, that Kentucky football hard ass mentality. Like, Caddis has got it, and and it is infectious, and people love it. Even if he only plays in four games, 
by God, he, he he's going to bring the hammer when he's in there. There's certain positions you should like if you're if a program's recruiting a lot of three low three star guys at a certain position, you should worry about tight ends. Not one of those. Like every year in the draft, there's guys like Josh Caddis who weren't like super highly ranked coming out of high school, and then it, they were just awesome, and they they come from every school possible. These tight ends. Um, so Kentucky just found one, I think, right here. Yeah. Uh, and well, so and I, I think part of it too, like it, tight ends are like multi-sport athletes too. Like that, and and some of them have that basketball well, body. Well, I mean, they're not they're not doing in. usually in high school. They're not doing what they're going to do in college. Right? Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which but, brings but me kind of Caddis kind of did. I mean, he had the pedigree, and you see some of the stuff he did blocking wise. I mean, I we talked about it when he committed. There, that, there was some special stuff he was doing here. Um, that he's been able to do it right away at Kentucky's been what's the most surprising thing. Um, but yeah, tight end like Keaton Upshaw. We I asked Mark Stoops on Saturday, or someone did. I don't know if I did. Um, I think no, I didn't ask him that. So someone else did. Uh, it sounded like a hamstring. Um, he said soft tissue. I'm assuming that's hamstring. Um, uh, if you are open practice, he was slowed down. Nick, he had to mm-hmm. be pulled. So it sounded it's like hamstring. That, then yeah, that yeah. lingered on for here in the next week. So can't make the the club in the tub, especially can't do that um, in a loaded position room. Um, that's also a reason to be excited about running back. All those guys are having to bust their ass right yeah. now if they want to play. Um, so that's another reason to be excited about that group. But a tight end, like Upshaw, man, he you know he, went, he missed a lot of time in spring. He wasn't able to be full goal coming back from that pectoral injury. Um, now he's dealing with his hamstring. Um, it's probably going to be hard for him to get on the field that, those first, that first month or so of the season. Yeah, uh, Brennan Bates, he was just talking about the physicality of this camp, too, just it being a freaking meat right. grinder, you know. Uh, so, like, they, they, they aren't they aren't pumping the brakes at all. They've got plenty of bodies. So, if one of them is slowed down, there is enough to go around to make sure that Kentucky's not dropping off at all at tight end. I did want to mention something like it because I think our listeners will get a few laughs um, because I did end up getting stuck guarding a former NFL tight end at my uh, old man basketball league uh this week and big shout out to my guy ruck i i was at least smart enough to like i got out of the way in time to not get dunked on but the big saving grace is my guy ruck who is like an in-shape young 20 something i mean like it was the most impressive shot block i've ever seen like this dude he was lamar jackson's tight end cocked back to dunk it and he just met him at the rim and pinned it it was it was unbelievable so uh nfl tight ends not fun to guard when you're an old washed thirty year old, is this a league that you can charges allowed in this league? Oh, I tried taking a charge. They didn't give it to me. It was bullshit. But then worse if you try to take a charge and then he didn't call it and then he just dunked and the ball landed on your stomach. Oh man, it could have been so bad. But I, I'm, I'm the consummate. I can't jump with anybody anymore. And I've also found too, jumping is how you get knee injuries, how you get ankle injuries. If you just stay on the floor all the time, you're good. You're good. So I just try to take charges and people just like laugh at me. I'm like, dude, I'm big tree falls hard, man. Yeah, you're below the rim player. Um, they're on the hardwood. Oh yeah. You would, yeah. You would fit in well on the big 10. My hip is, is killing me um, today. So that just shows you where I'm at on the wash scale. Luckily this league only lasts um, till like, I think the first NFL Sunday and then I'm done. So we just got to, just got to keep on pushing through. It's a little uh, good cardio for you, Mr. Roush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need it. I definitely need it. Um, but like it, we do have, 
briefly, Kentucky football recruiting. Uh, Kenton Kirkland's announcing his commitment tonight. Looks like Florida State uh, decided to put their foot down in that one after losing a couple of DBs to Kentucky. Cats had some momentum, but uh, similar to the other recruitments where Kentucky made a late surge, uh, Florida State is making that late surge with Kirkland. And um, even though we're recording before, it's probably official by now that he is a, a, a Florida State cinnamon roll. <laughs> I like I, yeah, I think uh, Florida State won this one, one of many battles. I, I think they've won this one with Kentucky. But one to really watch out for here, Nick, is Kendrick Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Out of Indianapolis Cathedral, he's been on record saying he wants to make a decision before his senior season starts. Well, his first game's on Friday, August yep. 19th. So if he's going to make a decision, it's now. Um, he visited Kentucky and Purdue late July. Um, so it's kind of down to those two. and it's, got, it's gotten quiet. Now this is a kid, Nick, like he's got the measurables. 6'5", 292. He's got like a 6'9", wingspan. Um, you're looking at like what Deion Walker's doing now. This guy kind of has some – check some of those same boxes. Um, I think he's going to be due for a ratings bump here as the cycle progresses. This would be a big recruiting win for Kentucky. Um, he would be one of their better players in the class if they could get him in the fold. Um, and his teammates, Danny O'Neill, who's a quarterback Kentucky's recruiting uh, pretty heavily in that 2024 class. So this is a big one. If they could wrap that up, that would be a very, very nice win. Um, in Indiana, a place they don't – I don't remember them ever recruiting. Here with Morgan Steve. Newton, Carmel. Yeah, I mean, you have to go back to Joker, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will say Purdue did get a recent big recruiting win. Millie Bobby Brown, she's going to Purdue. Did you see that? I did not. Yeah, so there's some stranger things afoot. 11. And uh, West Lafayette. Uh, another player I wanted to mention, um, Marcellus Pulliam cut his yes. list. And the reason why that's significant is that Kentucky wants to get two inside backers in this class, and a lot of guys have fallen off the board since they got Grant Godfrey. They had, I want to say, like six or seven four-star dudes. Right come to campus in June. Uh, Ohio State whipped on a bunch of guys, so yeah. they went and took Arvell Reese. He's off the board. Uh, Stan Quan Clark, he he took an unofficial to Kentucky. He just announced his commitment to Louisville. And then uh, Jaden Robinson was another guy they got to unofficially visit. He committed to Florida, I want to say, a week ago. So pulling yeah, him from South Carolina, Florida. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but committed to Florida. But Pulliam, he's one of the few guys still left on the board that Kentucky can go out there and get. He's got uh, some good tools in his bag, and I, I believe South Carolina is the top competition yeah. in this one. Good size at 6'3". Um, no, I, Auburn is a big one here, I think. Okay. He's already scheduled an OV to Auburn. He was at their Big Cat weekend, which is kind of their big trip. So I think you're going to look at another Kentucky-Auburn battle. Like they, Kentucky going to have to get this kid on campus for a fall OV. Uh, that's where they're going to make their move. It's going to happen. It's going to be for that. Um, so, like, Nick, they have – they have a few commits here that haven't taken OVs to Kentucky. Um, you're looking at Grant Godfrey, hasn't taken OV yet. You're looking at Jeremiah Anglin, hasn't taken an OV yet. Um, so they're going to have a bit well, – there's going to be a game where they have a big one. Um, so guys like Marcellus Pulliam and whatever um, other targets emerge are going to be uh, the ones you need to get there. There's going to be a big one probably in October. That's going to probably be the difference maker. And my biggest question moving into the season – um, I've kind of – I went on a little Twitter rant the other day. You can go on my feed and find it, which pretty much states, like, where Kentucky is as a recruiting class and where this class could go. Um, pretty much they're right 
on average where they've been the last six years. Yeah. Um, where they are right now, if they finish their overall, that would be the third best class um, in the last six years uh, behind 2020 and 2022 with the top 25 halls. Um, the top 25 hall is not it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it feels unlikely because they're just not in on enough high-quality prospects right now. Um, but we've seen the last two years them close on two top 100 kids in season. Trevor Wallace, 2021. And then Barry and Brown last year. Can two can a kid can a guy or two like that emerge this season? Yeah. Whether it's um, coach firing or whatnot, um, are they just somebody you know that that had a recruitment has lingered and they are able to get in on the hunt? That is the one I think, or that's the kind of development to watch. Like Carmelo English is outside the top one hundred, but he's kind of in this category. Everybody knows him. If Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Auburn caught fire like it, people think it could oh, with Brian Harson here in year two. That that's an obvious one, um, but who uh, there's probably an unknown or two name out there that will emerge, and so that that's going to be the big thing to watch when the, when that when that player or two kind of becomes a reality. Can Kentucky close on someone like that? It's kind of the what I'll be looking out for in the season, especially if they're winning. If the wins are piling up a little bit, they're going to be able to I think maybe get a couple um, potentially like this, which would be huge for them. And then that's when they could really make a run at like a top twenty-five class. It's um, it's something we'll be following, maybe not as closely as some of the other stuff at the University yeah. of Kentucky right now. I am I am looking forward to looking. This is typically the dog days week of camp. Um, you get one final scrimmage, and then it just it stuff seems to kind of slow down. But we've had so much else going on that we haven't really been able to dive into the stuff. Um, that normally fill, takes up a lot of oxygen at this point in fall camp. So it's been unusual fall camp with the Big Blue Bahamas, with the Big Blue Beef as our <laughs> Big Blue uh, Beef. Oh, I love that YouTube trade. That's a freaking awesome tag for it. Um, but uh, so so even though things typically slow down, I don't think they will be for us over at the Kentucky Sports Radio Compound. Um, we will be getting into a new regularly scheduled programming kind of deal with all of our podcasts here soon uh we're just working our way through training camp uh but soon enough things will things will feel pretty normal uh we've had preseason nfl games happening uh two cats have already got cut i was shocked lonnie johnson got the first cut at kansas city that was i mean former second round pick in his i mean he was in the first wave of cuts you know only one preseason uh, game his career in houston didn't go great it kind of yeah it kind of slides that it kind of stayed the course there and Casey, yeah. So uh, that is Dane's brother still there? Kansas Dane's City? brother still still on the team. Kennard's still there. Uh, but Westry got cut in Carolina. Uh, the one that I, I was happy to see, the Lynn Bowden, very happy. He got a touchdown. Had a nice return. He did some really good things in his first football action in a while. And there was a report that the Dolphins are shopping him around. Like that. That's what he needed to get. You know, r- you rarely see players get chance number three. He, he's probably going to get chance number three yeah. this fall. Lynn's best case, right, is keep playing well this preseason. Um, probably get traded to a team with a bad bad receiver situation. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is probably going to be a team with a bad quarterback situation. Um, but that's going to be the best way for him to get on the field. Um, I see him going to, like, New England or something. Like, who they got catching passes up there. You know? Right. Some, uh, something like that. Uh, Houston. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Something who, like that. Can we name Houston's quarterback now? Davis Mills. 
Proud of Stanford. I, I, it was going to take me a second, but I, I remember Davis. Oh, man. Yeah. Football. I saw Baker running around, Baker Mayfield in that Panthers jersey, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw Wentz, Carson Wentz, in that new commander God. jersey, and I was like, what? What is, is that the XFL? <laughs> what God, is it? Hideous. Yeah. But so. hey, football's back. It's it's getting close. We're getting teases. I finally watched the Dan Campbell hard knocks last night. And if that 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 team right there, if they aren't the most football guys guys that have they ever got some lived, ass kickers on that team. <laughs> those Deuce Staley and Aaron Glenn are just like fighting each other every day in practice. That that's gotta be banana land up there for Stenberg and Pat. So I saw Stenberg, he was surprisingly breaking up a lot of fights, not starting them. So turn it over a new league. <laughs> Off brand. <laughs> <laughs> I know I need to ask somebody to Usually, I can only last the first two episodes of Hard Knocks. Yeah, yeah, it gets, it gets old pretty quick. But I did but, uh, see the Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Billy Jean. Yeah, that was that was good. That was that, was that was TV gold. But yeah, yeah. we're we're getting there. We're inching closer. Are you going to watch the um, South Carolina version or the NC or mainly South Carolina version of Hard Knocks? Uh, will only way I'm watching that is if somebody clockwork oranges my ass and that's to pry my eyelids <laughs> yeah. open. Ain't yeah. no chance in frame. Because, like, if anybody is going to play up to the TV cameras, it's Shane freaking Beamer. Hey, dude, man, I, 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 you couldn't. Oh. Yeah. Um, he apparently, like, he went viral on Twitter again. Imagine that. Oh. But uh, I refused to watch. Like, I heard he took the team up to the nosebleeds and said, you know, our fans watch sports from here or some, something. I, I just not, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not, I, my mind is made up on Shane Bieber. I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not. I'm not taking the. I'm not taking the bait anymore. But uh, Miles Brennan, Nick retired, LSU yeah. quarterback. Um, Jaden Daniels has won that job. Uh, oh, at their scrimmage, he got all the snaps for the ones. Um, he was competing with Garrett Nussmeyer, but Nussmeyer has an ankle injury, so Jaden Daniels is going to be starting Week One against Florida State. That'll be Jaden Daniels versus Jordan Travis. Are they going to? Have more rushing attempts with quarterbacks or passing attempts? <laughs> the old, the old dual threat joke. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that is uh, Miles Brandon. Weird career, man. Weird yeah. career. Um, he was there before, like he was expected to be the starter until they got Joe Burrow. Yeah, and then he got Joe there. Burrow, and then he comes in twenty twenty. If you look at his numbers in twenty twenty, the games he started, he played well, uh, but he got hurt, and then then the yeah. Orgeron thing last year. Just a weird, strange career for him. Um, but I do think that uh, for our fans, we will be having our win totals podcast coming up next week. That's something to get excited for. Look at if you want to get fired up, just look at the week one board. It is tasty. There's some live dogs out there. Oh, you know, you bet your sweet ass. I'm betting Neil Brown in that backyard brawl opening week. Their uh, win totals last year, we did pretty good on those. Um, I think the last two years we've done pretty well. Like this is probably the my best return on investment is usually season one totals. Um, so that we're crunching the numbers for that right now. I have, I have looked a little bit, not, not a whole lot yet. What is it? Kentucky, Miami house. It's still three touchdowns right about. You seen that one? Something like that. 20 and a half. Yeah. What's yeah. West, what's West Virginia catching? Six and a half. Oh, that's in the, that's a tough one right there. But yeah. It's juicy. It's, it's juicy. juicy. Um, but I will say too, uh, we'll just go ahead and announce it here. We're going to bring back the oft used pick three last year, just three picks for me, like and Roush. So we're going to bring that, uh, to, to scratch that gambling itch each week. Hopefully they're better than luck. It's PT's picks of the week. Uh, <laughs> Can't get any worse. 
<laughs> I can't get any worse. Um, so we're, we're going to have plenty of content for you over on the KSR YouTube page. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to 11 Personnel. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, for Adam Luckett, I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Kroger.